0: To Primetime This week, Lord Bath, or an episode for examining William Polkney, the first Earl of Bath, one of the two most insignificant fellows in England, and for connected purposes. Ooh, strong start. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Primetime. We're
1: rating all of the British Prime Ministers from Robert Walpole to the modern day. I'm
0: John. I'm Rob.
2: And I'm Cass, and today we're looking at our fourth Prime Minister, one of the two most insignificant men in England.
0: (laughs) Yes. Though, to be fair, we have already mentioned the other most insignificant fellow in England quite a lot, and he's not quite as insignificant as you think. Lord Wilmington. No. We'll get to that. But
1: this is one of our questionable Prime Ministers. Yeah, oh, we have some questionable
0: prime ministers indeed. So get ready for some exciting drama later in the episode because that is definitely a point that overshadows this whole thing. <laughs> but welcome everyone to Prime Time, our little series where we review all the prime ministers in the United Kingdom. We are currently on our fourth prime minister, Lord Bath. He is one of these names who you will have heard quite a lot. Only this time as William Pulteney, because again, like so many of our prime ministers, he has lots of names. And although he's Lord Bath when he's prime minister. He's William Pulteney for most of this. So he does turn up a lot. He's been around for ages. We've mentioned him occasionally in some of the previous episodes. So I don't think we'll do a very long introduction. I think we should just crack straight on, go through all the history that we've learnt before, only with a bit more focus on him. And then we'll get to when he actually hits the big time.
2: Theoretically. Apparently.
0: (laughs) Yeah, indeed. Potentially.
2: Controversially. (laughs)
0: In a change to our usual programming, I will be taking this Prime Minister's episode about Lord Bath because John has taken up the reins of doing a Prime Cuts episode. So let's crack on and start at the beginning. Beginnings.
1: What's happened here, Rob, is it because you've taken over my role but also kept all of the roles that you do? <laughs>
0: you are <laughs> doing Don't it. not need us anymore.
2: <laughs> this, is a, this is a Rob a Rob cast.
0: <laughs> John, would you like to do... Yeah you should actually That'd be really fun Yeah
2: you do beginnings
0: No no, we should Beginnings
2: Oh who did it better listeners Right in
0: Not as good as mine (laughs) Anyway Born in 1684 To a successful And well established family And as the heir to its fortune William Pulteney Attended Westminster School And Christchurch Oxford Before embarking On a long grand tour Of the continent
2: Antarctica
0: Antarctica Probably Europe As so many Well to do young men Did
2: So Minus points for progress
0: Yes, already I think we'll find he hasn't got that. So we have a zero point already. A politician called Henry Guy was serving as a trustee for the Pulteney Estate, which lay between St. James's Street and Green Park in London, and brought in over £10,000 a year.
1: That's got to be one of the most expensive bits of London.
0: It's pretty good. I, mean, I suppose back then, maybe that's slightly outside London, or outside like, the city. Oh, I suppose
2: Henry so. Guy was serving as a estate manager did you
0: say he was basically yes he was the trustee of the do you think estates. they
2: they had like a conversation where they were like do you know what we need
0: <laughs> we need a guy <laughs>
2: a guy to manage our estate
0: <laughs> maybe <laughs> but not only was this estate in london it also included the pocket borough of hayden in east yorkshire
1: oh your estate's in london except that bit in yorkshire that we also own. obviously that <laughs> yeah. bit too yeah
0: except two seats in parliament in yorkshire which you own Unsurprisingly, Henry Guy, as the trustee for this estate, had been returned as the Member of Parliament for that pocket borough. Because, of course. On Pulteney's return to England, he took over Guy's seat at Hayden and entered the House of Commons in 1705 at the age of 21. He would hold this seat for the next 29 years. He used the other of Hayden's two seats to give to his cousin and then his brother.
2: Oh, God. These, These men.
0: Everyone's related. On Guy's death five years later, the trusteeship of the family fortune ended and Pulteney was suddenly £40,000 richer. That's about £12 million in today's money. Oh my god. He later gained another fortune by marrying Anna Maria, the daughter of a wealthy glass manufacturer. So at this point, he was a very well-off gentleman in the merchant upper middle classes.
2: Oh, I would like to be a very well-off gentleman. It <laughs> sounds like a really good lifestyle, doesn't it? I mean, what it do really you even does. do with your days?
0: You go to Antarctica. Turn yeah, Parliament occasionally. Wear a big hat. Yeah. around. Oh, I bet he did have a nice big hat. Yeah, I'm sure he did. Probably more than one.
2: Oh, yeah, like a hat. He had a cupboard for all his hats.
1: <laughs> a friend of Mr. Walpole.
2: Why did they all know
0: Walpole? Because Walpole is politics for about 50 years. He literally
2: is. He is the He's the only
0: at the guy. He's the of the web. He oh. so is. In Parliament, Pulteney got stuck in and quickly became one of Walpole's political acolytes. In 1709, he got involved in the prosecution of Henry Sacheverell, a Tory-Anglican clergyman who gave an incendiary and slightly Jacobite sermon (gasps) and became a great scandal of the day.
2: Uh Uh-oh. What
0: He was actually let off with a rather reduced sentence, which rather disencouraged the Whigs and gave some Jacobites a bit of heart.
2: Ooh, maybe the Jacobite revolution lives yet. There's hope. There's hope. I live in hope for whatever his name was. Franz of Bavaria.
0: Once again, (laughs) actual treason being (laughs) explained on this podcast. Following the Tory victory in 1710, Walpole was accused of corruption, as all recently ousted governments tended to be, although in this case he actually was corrupt, (laughs) and he was thrown in the tower in 1712.
2: Oh my god, I forgot about that. People kept turning up to have their selfie portrait.
0: (laughs) Yes. He became a bit of a cause célèbre, and many visitors visited him, including William Pulteney. Oh, did he get
2: the selfie portrait? trying,
0: Trying to ingratiate himself. Putney became a leading Walpole supporter in the House of Commons and fully ingratiated himself into the Whigs, and therefore Walpole's inner circle. He was made Secretary of War in 1714, a mid-ranking post responsible for aspects of the administration and organisation of the army, though not general military policy. But then it becomes more important when there's a war going on. It does indeed. He held this post during the successful defeat of the 1715 Jacobite Rebellion, which won him some plaudits as a minor player. In 1717... The enmity between Lords Stanhope and Sunderland, on the one hand, and Lord Townsend and Walpole on the other, boiled over. With the King's support, Stanhope and Sunderland managed to kick Townsend out of government, and Walpole resigned too. So did Pulteney. Oh, so he was a real
1: Walpole backer at this
0: point. He was a real Walpole backer. The Whig split, with Walpole leading an opposition Whig faction, with Pulteney with him though they started to disagree on a few matters and their friendship did become a little bit strained. Mm. A few years later, the South Sea bubble burst and the country was left in turmoil. The government was in chaos and George I needed a guy.
2: (gasps) A prime guy. A best best guy. guy.
0: (laughs) Wait, was it Guy?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Henry Guy. Do you know that's where the name Guy comes from? Really? It comes from Guy Fawkes.
0: Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, because people,
2: well, this is one theory. His name was Guy Fawkes, Guido Fawkes, and people started making guys. Oh, yeah. And then they would go around and say, like, penny for the guy. And then it just, it just, like, increasingly shifted into English language and just it just became, like, capacity. a guy. Yeah, yeah,
0: interesting.
1: For our non-British listeners, uh, <gasps> Guy Fawkes attempted to blow up the Houses of Parliament in 1605, which was mentioned in our Primeval Politics episode. We
2: celebrate this in... Every year.
1: Uh, we celebrate the fact that he was stopped. Yes. Every no, year. no,
2: we celebrate it <laughs> every year by building like a horrifying effigy of him with some old jeans and like stuffing it with newspapers and then ritually burning it.
0: On a large bonfire and setting up yeah. loads of fireworks.
1: And we do this effigy burning to this day. And alongside Guy Fawkes, there will often be effigies of modern politicians. Donald know. Trump was one um, a couple of years ago. Yeah, I'm sure that there have been effigies of the Pope. Oh, there
2: are Theresa the May States.
0: ones. It's a real
1: anti-Catholic
0: hate fest as well. Yeah. It, it definitely can be. I think most of the time we try to ignore that and just enjoy the fireworks. Yeah, it's, it's, nice it's, not, it's
2: not really religious anymore. I would. It, it's very much just everyone's going to go and look at some fireworks, wear your wellies, drink some more wine, have a good time. I love Bonfire nights. It's actually my favourite weird
0: British it's holiday. It's isn't it? I don't. Yeah.
1: It's cold, it's usually wet, it's muddy, and you're expected to stand outside in a huge throgging crowd, all of whom have put
0: their children on their shoulders, so you can't actually see anything. <laughs> Breathing in a lot of smoke. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: there's a big old bonfire.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a special kind of occasion. <laughs> but anyway, George I needing a guy was, of course, Walpole. Having recently returned to government, and as he was the only person who could restore confidence, he was made First Lord of the Treasury, and effectively our first Prime Minister. As a long-term supporter of Walpole's, it was time for Pulteney's payout. Walpole appointed his cabinet, but as the names came in, Pulteney's was not included.
2: (gasps) Walpole backstabbed him! Oh, that's shady... I mean, that doesn't surprise me at all. No. He was like, you know what, this guy's done everything I need already now.
0: Walpole offered him a peerage. But Pulteney, having followed <gasps> Walpole for many years, knew that this was Walpole's yeah. way of giving someone a nice trinket to get them out of the way that's forever.
2: That's so rude. That's like...
0: <sighs> Snubbed and hurt, he declined the title.
2: Yeah. Wait, what kind of a peerage was it, though? Was it a
0: good one? I think an old one is like this. Pretty standard. Mm.
2: But...
0: Initially, Pulteney sulked and started to launch some powerful parliamentary attacks against Walpole's character. But two years later, he discovered a way to make himself feel much better. What would make you feel better? And especially what would make pulp me feel better hmm.
1: leading an opposition faction
0: no something much more sinful
1: sleeping with walpole's wife
0: <gasps> oh imagine no no not oh that. that
2: would have been amazing that sleeping been with incredible. walpole
0: yes no <laughs> <laughs> uh
2: did he double cross walpole and like land him in it oh getting loads of money stealing loads of walpole's money money <gasps> the, he just... the star Crisis? no we've had that
0: no he just loved money so what he eventually was persuaded to do in order to slightly shut him up was to take the rather lower position than he thought he deserved, but nonetheless very lucrative position of cofferer of the household in 1723.
2: The hairdresser of the household, yeah, that <laughs> yeah, <let> guy.
0: Exactly. <laughs> this was an administrative, paymaster-type position in the royal household, but it was very, very lucrative indeed.
1: And presumably as a royal household position, it meant that you could really kiss up to you know, to royalty.
0: That may well have been part of his thinking as well. Perhaps thinking that this was a way to re-kickstart his career and his return to top-level politics, Pulteney was soon... Disappointed. Feeling neglected and stagnant again, his animosity towards Walpole grew yet further.
2: We need like a tiny violin.
0: <laughs> we do. I mean, the guy is a multi-multi-millionaire. Like so rich. Yes.
2: <laughs> and he's been following this guy who's literally got into power by double-crossing everyone. <laughs> and then this guy's double-crossed him <laughs> yeah. and now he's like, but no, not me.
0: I didn't see this coming. <laughs> An
1: enemy of Mr. Walpole saucy
0: very saucy following his being overlooked for a vacancy as secretary of state in 1724 potley's frustrations spurred him into action he decided to make a stand against walpole in a dispute over auditing royal debts auditing the books was something that walpole did not like having done <laughs> I wonder why <laughs> I wonder why indeed Walpole going Can I not just burn that I've <laughs> <laughs> burnt everything else you,
2: Sorry you want the, the records Oh, oh no. no Oh yeah no I
0: Accidentally threw them In the river Whoops. again Oh Oops. god I'll oh. give you a record I've burned more paper
1: than
0: <laughs> 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 And so Paltney made A vicious attack On Walpole's character Accusing him of increasing His fortune By indirect means And corruption And of squandering Public money On pensions Bounties Or other gratuities For his friends
2: he did do that.
1: Yeah, that's 100% true.
0: <laughs> yes. This attack, though powerful, failed. because oh. Walpole controlled everyone. Yeah. But, of course, Pulteney was dismissed as cofferer in 1725.
1: <gasps> Sorry, so, so he was literally whistleblowing.
0: Yeah, he's, he's basically. 100
1: right here. Let's look at yeah. I mean, Walpole was powerful and everyone needed him, which is why they couldn't get rid of him. But
0: Pulteney's going, I can't believe that you're okay with this. And they
1: go, you know what we're not okay with? you. You. you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So... Out he goes. And so, having now lost this small government position, he started an out-and-out rebellion against Walpole.
2: I mean, it's just not going to work,
0: is it? Well, let's find out. As a man who had worked so hard to rise in the establishment, he quickly became its fiercest critic. Chesterfield said that resentment made him engage in business. He'd thought himself slighted by Sir Robert Walpole, to whom he publicly vowed not only revenge, but utter destruction. He was the most complete orator and debater in the House of Commons, eloquent, entertaining, persuasive, strong, and patriotic as occasion required, for he had argument, wit, and tears at his command.
2: Oh my god. This is so personal.
0: It is so This is personal. like they've, they've
2: broken up, and now he's just setting out to yeah, like ruin it, his ex's It really life.
0: feels like that. Within a couple of years he became a leader in the newly formed Patriot Whig faction. Starting as a group of about 17 people, but quickly rising to about 100, this group of Whigs joined the Tories in attacking Walpole's government. They denounced Walpole as an overly mighty executive who abused patronage. They criticised Walpole for profiting from public money and keeping talented opponents of his outside positions of power for his own benefit, but to the detriment of the country taunted with an accusation that he only hated Walpole's patronage because he wasn't getting any of it (laughs) True (laughs) Which might have been true He replied that he was so far from desiring employments that he had taken pains to get rid of those that he already had
2: Uh, Didn't he get fired?
0: Yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not fired I quit
0: (laughs) Exactly that (laughs) I promise I quit because I hate him actually
1: I didn't want to be hairdresser in the household anyway (laughs)
2: Everyone's wearing wigs
0: (laughs) Outside the House of Commons, Pulteney teamed up with Henry St. John, the first Viscount Bolingbroke. Bolingbroke was a Tory who had supported the 1715 Jacobite Rebellion, which Pulteney had worked so hard to put down, Ooh. and fled to France, facing capital charges of treason. He had secured a pardon and had just returned to England. He and Pulteney set up a newspaper, The Craftsman, which for over a decade called for Patrick Whigs and non-Jacobite Tories to unite and bring down Walpole. Many cultural leaders of the day, including Jonathan Swift, Alexander Pope, John Gay and Henry Fielding, all wrote for the craftsman. In 1731, following an exchange of bitter pamphlets, Pulteney challenged John, the Baron Hervey, to a duel.
2: Curvy Hervey.
0: He fought Curvy Hervey in a duel, and Hervey is recorded as narrowly escaping with his life.
2: (gasps) He nearly killed Curvy Hervey.
1: I didn't realise that we had duels deciding British political history.
0: We did. I think we did for about another hundred years or so. And after about occasionally. But after about a hundred years, people realised that jewels was just a way of quite wealthy, quite well educated young men to just kill each other pointlessly. And so they went, Let's stop this But it
1: still happened quite a lot. I completely agree that jewels aren't a great way of deciding political points. I'm just I disagree. That- this Maybe we should bring them in, back. This hasn't come up in any of our Prime Minister's episodes. So it's clearly something that the people at the top are capable of sort of insulating themselves from. But the people just under that, oh, they can fight
0: it out and prove them. Give them both guns. We'll see what happens. I
2: would love if this was how you had to contest an election nowadays, like Rishi's <laughs> upcoming election.
0: It would make it so much quicker, wouldn't it?
2: It really would. We could do it with, like, you know, non-lethal weapons. A water gun.
0: We bring back the British TV show Gladiators.
2: Gladiators <laughs> <laughs> just come back.
1: Has it? Yeah.
0: Please <gasps> tell me that they're going for a political edition. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Prime time Gladiators.
0: <laughs> gladiators at number ten. <laughs> I would. I would so watch that.
2: Oh, me too. Who do you think would win?
0: I, I neither Rishi nor Keir strike uh, no. me as great fighters. I think Penny Mordant would be probably <laughs> yeah, Penny Mordant
1: would win. If you don't know what Gladiators is,
2: go and watch it. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's we like. It's like some really, really hench. And incredibly attractive people in silly gladiator outfits beating each other up.
0: With big inflatable things.
2: It's incredible. The
0: peak of British TV. That's our cultural education for the world. <laughs> Pulteney became increasingly hostile not only towards Walpole, but towards the king. And in a rage Ooh. said, As stout as our sh**ton monarch pretends to be, you will find that we shall force him to truckle and make his great fat assed wife stink with fear. Excuse me? Yes. Yikes. <laughs> Was there a word in there that we're going to have to bleep? We're going to have to bleep that, yes. (gasps) Pulteney! I know. You
2: can't just say that about the king. That's treason. I mean, I know I'm regularly committing treason, but, like, (laughs) we don't actually kill people for treason anymore.
0: No, it's pretty serious. And following the duel and following this increasing animosity...
2: what What did the king do? He's just called the king's wife fat. I mean, you can't just take that lying down. The king's going to have to behead you now.
0: (laughs) He wasn't beheaded, but in 1731, he was finally struck off the role of privy councillors and dismissed from the Commission of the Peace in several counties. Oh,
1: I'd have beheaded him. <laughs> that that puts him in a very small group.
0: Yeah, sacked from the Privy Council. When you get made a Privy Councillor, it's for life. So sometimes you use it when you're at the top of your political career, but you keep it forever. He's
2: just having a midlife crisis. Like, he what might. is going on? It really is.
0: There are Prime Ministers who it has
1: come out in all sorts of appalling scandals, and yet they haven't been fired from the Privy Council, because, like, why bother? <laughs>
0: Yeah, This is so
2: drama. I love this. What was he thinking when he did this?
0: Honestly, he strikes me as a man who feels his emotions so so rawly.
2: Yeah, this is like drunk tweeting at like 2am. Yes,
0: drunk tweeting for like 15 years. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I guess the point is he's had 15 years of going, none of you think that this is a problem, so therefore you must all be the problem.
0: Yeah.
2: And I'm going to make myself the problem.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And so for a man who had been, a few years ago, so desperate to climb the greasy pole... He had become a genuinely anti-establishment, anti-government, populist rabble-rouser. Trying to
2: set the pole on fire.
0: Yeah, even, you know, veering towards treason, and on occasion was known to have suggested that a new king, or perhaps even (gasps) a republic, was required.
2: I cannot believe he got away with this. I can't believe the king didn't, like, behead him.
0: I know, it's it's big stuff. You
2: got beheaded for all sorts back then.
1: You did. And even having a lot of money didn't keep your head on your shoulders. Not always.
0: We've talked about quite a few lords being beheaded in past Uh. episodes.
1: Especially for treason. That's the one thing that makes the king go, nope.
0: Yeah, you are out. Exactly. So he'd had, he'd tried to climb the greasy pole, he had a lot of money, he had his seat in Parliament, but everything else, he'd left the government, he'd left the Privy Council, he'd left some of his other sort of county-level formal roles. He was now just this outsider voice in Parliament. Burning
2: all his bridges.
0: And so at the 1734 election, he moved seats to the more prestigious Middlesex County seat, and although the Patrick Whigs managed to secure a defeat on Walpole's excise bill, which would have increased taxes on a range of goods and allowed customs officers to search domestic properties...
2: Oh, yeah, that one.
0: ...Potney's attacks on the government became less successful. Jaded by decades of setbacks, he became more certain that he didn't want power, even if there was an opportunity to take it.
2: hmm Yeah, no, that sounds... I don't want... didn't want it anyway. <laughs>
1: so that's interesting, though, because what you just said there is that he actually started to have some success in stopping Walpole, but it's over... Things like taxes and over, you know, it, the way that Walpole ministers sort of soldier on, even when there was quite a lot against him, even when he was losing, he held his grip on power. His downfall was longer than most people were Prime Minister for. Yeah, exactly. And
0: he sort of knew when to drop the bad things quickly enough to stay in for the longer term. This
2: is also so awkward. These guys were pals and now they yeah. they hate each other, but they hate each other for like 20 years.
0: And Bolton
1: yeah. is just going, I just can't believe, if you can keep going even after I've beaten you... How do what do I do?
2: Like, don't isn't there a restaurant in Parliament? Do they have to eat together?
0: It's uh, so awkward. Certainly nowadays, yeah. There you, are several restaurants in Parliament nowadays, there no, but I there were you. not
1: prior to the eighteen thirty-four restaurants. Just the sandwich van. Yeah. Well, a member once commented that they didn't have so much as a basin to wash your hands in. Ew. Ew. I mean, it probably had a kitchen because it was a palace, but it yeah. really wasn't a very well put together building.
0: No. So, he's had setbacks, he's definitely feeling very miserable, again, as such an emotional man, his anger is turning into despondency, and he he may have thought that he was about to give up. Yeah, he's done. But, in 1739, a conflict broke out, and you'll be able to remember which one if you've been listening... The War of Jenkins' Ear! Oh yeah. my god, the
2: War of Jenkins' Ear, again! Again. This guy.
0: <laughs> this guy with his ear. Do we
2: still have the ear? Like, can you go? And- <gasps> is it in a museum somewhere?
0: Oh, I don't know, actually, that's a really good question. One does wonder if that's
1: what politicians are referring to when they say, hear, hear.
0: <laughs> war with Spain is something that Walpole had long wanted to avoid, and his final agreement to join the war was the beginning of his end. His power slowly ebbed away, and he resigned a couple of years later in 1742.
2: And Pulteney was delighted.
0: Pulteney was probably thrilled, but in a very depressed way, because it took so long. Oh yeah, true. A fresh start. Pulteney, as a leading anti-Walpole parliamentarian, was one of the six posh blokes who decided that they were going to decide what happened next.
2: I remember this, and then they picked Lord Wilmington.
0: Indeed. Just like Pelham, Pulteney wanted power, but not to be seen to grasp too much as it. Pulteney actually declined the post of First Lord of the Treasury himself, perhaps a bit jaded and browbeaten by previous setbacks.
2: Oh, I didn't want it anyway.
0: Exactly. Eventually, they decided on the useless, powerless, compromised candidate of Lord Wilmington.
2: Wait, so he could have been Prime Minister at that point, and he was like, nah.
0: He could have been, and he was offered it. Intriguing.
1: But he still sat in the back room yeah? discussing who would go next.
2: So is it another Henry Pelham? Like, he, was, he knew whoever came after Walpole was in for a...
0: I think that may be part of the thinking. Intriguing. But he'd also
1: kind of hitched himself to Carteret at this stage, didn't
0: he? Yes, Carteret was his friend.
1: So one of the other people at the negotiating table, Carteret, was Mm. also a big famous person and was part of Pulteney's faction. So they were sort of a bit of a package deal at this stage?
0: Indeed they were, and Carteret will come up a little bit later. So, having decided on Lord Wilmington, Pulteney was restored to the Privy Council, offered an earldom, and thought he could be a powerful figure in the cabinet. Oh no. It quickly became clear that this was an error. For a man who had made his name fighting the power, this self-interested U-turn caused his influence and popularity to collapse.
1: He spent too long building up his name as being the anti-power person.
0: Exactly. Uh, As soon as
2: they offered him some stuff, he was like, what? Did I say I didn't want that?
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean,
2: I meant, no, I I do want it.
0: He was anti-power, anti-corruption, and then suddenly he was in the back room, (laughs) getting the peerage, joining cabinet. It didn't work.
2: Also, I like that he broke up with Walpole and now he's got a new boyfriend in Carteret.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He was given a cabinet seat, but no specific portfolio. He was just allowed to turn up and talk. And he tried to pull out of the peerage, but it was too late. He was made the Earl of Bath. It's bath time! (laughs) (laughs) Now in the House of Lords, he met his old enemy, Robert Walpole, himself the newly minted Earl of Orford, who said to him, Here we are, my lord, the two most insignificant fellows in England. But... A, given that they were bitter enemies, B, Walpole had just been prime minister for 20 years, and C, Pulteney hadn't. That must have stung a bit.
2: Yeah, he was slagging him off.
0: Exactly. It's a bit like when an attractive person says that looks don't matter, or yeah. a rich person says money doesn't matter. Like yeah, Walpole's yeah. like, oh, power doesn't matter. It's like, well, oh, you yeah. can say that. Oh, no, Walpole's
1: saying, and now I've been brought down to your level. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, that is what he's saying. He's like, okay. I'm not, I'm you. Yeah
1: walpole is retired and in the house of lords whereas polson thinks this is the beginning yeah, of his career.
0: Exactly.
2: oh god embarrassing
0: when wilmington died the year after the new lord bath made an application to the king for the post of first lord of the treasury
1: and i love that idea i love the idea that he sends in a quick letter going "Oi, i want that job oh,
0: could i have it only for him to find that it had already been given to henry pelham he was such a nobody no one had even thought to tell him Oh, oh that's, I mean, that's so embarrassing. Yeah.
1: Although we also know that Henry Pelham was, was, you
0: know, kind of great. Henry Pelham was kind of great. But still, people like, we can tell Lord Bath so much later. It doesn't matter. So he sent off a letter asking for it. Quite embarrassing. A second chance. Three years into Pelham's ministry in 1746, he and basically everyone else resigned because the king was continuing to take foreign policy direction from Lord Carteret. Given that bath was basically the only person left
2: oh yeah he was
0: summoned to an audience with the king kissed hands and accepted <gasps> to the seals of office as first lord of the treasury he set about appointing his cabinet
2: oh wait so this is when we were like pelham's gone for a while what happened to the government yes and you you were like there was basically no one left he was the one left
0: the king appointed pulteney <gasps> slash now bath as first lord of the treasury. wait
2: but pelham came back
0: so, if you want to listen to our episodes in chronological order,
1: this <laughs> yeah. episode happens, at least this bit of it, happens somewhere in between Henry Pelham part one and Henry Pelham part two. It
0: does indeed.
2: Oh no, this does not bode well for his prime ministership.
1: We, we didn't say how long Henry Pelham <laughs> was away for.
0: And now we will. Bath appointed Lord Carteret as Secretary of State for both the Northern and the Southern departments, and he negotiated with a couple of other lords for cabinet roles. However, it quickly became clear that his government was not at all viable, and he resigned. Two days later.
2: No! <laughs> Rob, two days! Yes.
0: <gasps> That's
2: it. Oh, this is incredible. He's my favourite Prime
0: Minister. <laughs> Pelham returned to government on his own terms. Yet another humiliation. Oh, Bath this returns is to obscurity. So
2: embarrassing. What happened to him in the end? Did he just.?
0: It is so embarrassing. The final 18 years of his life saw the occasional pamphlet and the odd speech, but other than that, basically oh, nothing. Oh,
2: God.
0: His wife, Anna Maria, his only son and heir, and his two daughters all predeceased him. Oh my god. Oh, left with no one, Lord Bath died the following year in seventeen sixty four, with his earldom dying with him. He was buried in Westminster Abbey, and his fortune went to the daughter of his cousin, who he had sat with at Hayden all those years ago.
2: Oh this is so embarrassing. This is just so oh. It's sad. Really. It's worse it's than Lord sad. Wilmington.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of sadness.
2: God, it's terrible. Oh, I think he brought it on himself, a lot of it.
0: Well, I think Walpole brought a lot on him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but... that's
2: fair. Yeah, but he was trying to get in there with Walpole at the start. If he'd been, like, yeah. against Walpole from the start, fair enough. But he was, while it was benefiting him, he only turned against Walpole, not because he was corrupt, but because he was corrupt and not letting him be corrupt as well.
0: Yeah, exactly. there's a
1: lot of and there's definitely something about the idea that when Walpole rejected him, he didn't have to behave like a spoiled child. He, he could yeah. have responded in other ways. And he didn't. And I know it must have been embittering trying to fight against somebody who is the stalwart of politics for more than 20 years. But he didn't have to. Pelham didn't have to make so many enemies to piss No,
2: he said something. that stuff about the king and the king's yeah. wife. I mean, what's the king's wife got to do with it? Like, leave her out of it.
0: So now, before we review him. Does he count?
2: He absolutely counts. I am obsessed with him. He's my favourite prime minister. You can't take this away from me. I'm
0: also obsessed with him. Firstly, we do need to decide whether or not he counts, because this is the shortest of all premierships. And it remains an open question as to whether a two day period in which he couldn't find more than maybe three other people to serve and absolutely nothing happened counts. The thing is, most modern lists don't count him. If you go on the Wikipedia page for prime ministers, he's not there.
2: But he did the thing. He did the
1: thing with the king. Uh, yeah. He did the thing to become first lord of the treasury. He didn't do the thing to become prime minister. This is... Was I th- wasn't a thing to become prime minister.
0: I think this is exactly the point. He was definitely first lord of the treasury, but we've come up with this new sort of job of prime minister that was still in its sort of nascent stages. So do we count him as that as well? Do we say he was The Prime Minister, he may have been First Lord of the Treasury, who did nothing for two days, but was that enough to make him a Prime Minister? I think nowadays, if someone were appointed Prime Minister by the monarch, and then had a heart attack in the car on the way to Downing Street, they would still have been Prime Minister, because the job exists.
1: Well, you know, their government folded 49 days later.
2: (laughs) I I mean, imagine. I think that... There wasn't an official prime minister thing at this time. And the way that we're defining prime minister at the time is just like whoever the top person was. And at this point, he is the top person because there is literally no one else.
0: Yeah, I think that is fair. So he was absolutely first lord of the treasury. We can't say that Pelham was still prime minister for those two days because he absolutely wasn't. He had left or thought he had left completely. So our two options are either Bath as prime minister or just no one was Prime Minister. And again, we have had periods where no one's been Prime Minister for quite a long time. But normally, that's because no one's filled the job of First Lord of the Treasury yet. They're negotiating to find a new one. So I am tempted to say that even though his ministry was a complete failure, the most complete and total failure imaginable, he was appointed First Lord of the Treasury, thought he was Prime Minister, the King assumed that he was appointing a Prime Minister, he tried to be Prime Minister... Failed horribly. Failed horribly. But I'm tempted to give it to him.
2: Yeah.
1: I think the reason that he's usually left out of the list is because he wasn't really able to even assemble a cabinet. So it's not like he had a team of people and they were brought low. Yeah. And if we get that far, I haven't given him a majority because I've assumed that he never had the confidence of the House. That seems fair. But I do also think that at least in this period and for some time after, you can fail a vote of no confidence and still remain Prime Minister. In fact, one of our big names will later on. What matters is has the king picked you at this stage?
2: And he has. Yeah. Despite the fact that you called him a shit or something five minutes ago. <laughs> that was an awkward meeting.
0: Which only goes to show just how scrambling for anything George yeah. II was, was. the queen there?
2: Because he just called the queen really a, fat, a fat or something. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I think what this decision that he was prime minister means is two things. Firstly, we need to update Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and get him there. And secondly, this is also very good news now for Liz Truss, because everyone says she's the shortest-serving Prime <gasps> Minister. She
2: is officially
1: no she longer. Is
0: not. As the definitive Prime Minister ranking podcast globally, we have declared that Lord Bath counts. I
1: don't think we're the only podcast that discusses
0: Prime Minister. No, I said we were he, Yeah, he didn't say <laughs> only. Allegedly. Allegedly. Prime and Premiership. So, his Premiership was clearly a disaster. Mathematically, the biggest disaster we've ever had. Three people were appointed, and it looks like only one, Lord Carteret, actually received his seals of office. The other two were just sort of accepted the job verbally, and everything collapsed before they could actually be properly appointed.
1: I just want to point out that... We're literally judging him on two days. This is so <laughs> funny. I cannot wait. Less time than we had for
0: David, David
2: the, the Prime Minister. Prime
1: minister.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, but oddly, I do have a couple of things to say. Given that prime ministerial appointments happen in private, we normally never know exactly when one prime minister hands over to another. So we never know exactly how long a prime minister's tenure is. With US presidents, we do, because the law says their term starts at noon on the day of inauguration. Is it? It does. That's fun. But Prime Ministers, we don't. Except, apparently for Lord Bath's, we do, because his attempt to form an administration was reported in a pamphlet for children as lasting, quote, 48 hours, three quarters, seven minutes and 11 seconds.
2: That is so funny. Where does that put him for tenure?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Bottom. (laughs) It was, of course, a personal embarrassment, with Horace Walpole another Walpole, joking that Bath and Carteret tried to form a government like taxi drivers stopping random people in the streets looking for business.
2: <laughs> Sorry, it's <laughs> Horace Walpole's just like just savaging everyone in power at the <laughs> time? Exactly a, that's time. his role. Well,
1: so I think especially because he was a, a diarist. So he was a
2: writer, yeah. So we have a yeah. lot
1: of his comments on things. So it's a little bit like so Samuel funny. Pepys, who wasn't an important person at the time, but we have his opinions on everything. <laughs> yes. That's so
2: funny. Horace Walpole just sitting in his like, White Castle House in yeah. Strawberry Hill.
0: Just... Writing his burn book. <laughs> yeah. But it's just such a good image, just like Bath and Carter just wandering around going like, do you want to be in my please, government? Please, be Anyone?
1: in government. Anyone? <laughs> Tories, no.
0: Yeah. But perhaps the best summary of his administration comes from the same children's pamphlet. It concluded that Bath's was the most wise and honest of all ministries, having said never one silly thing or committed one rash act and having left as much money in the treasury as they found in it. Do
2: you know what? That's a very valid point.
0: <laughs> it's a very good point.
2: <laughs> he He's not actively made things worse.
0: Yeah. And thus we are all obliged. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but you yeah, have to give him five again.
0: Well, we'll, we'll talk about points. <laughs> this well, second. yeah. I mean, there's literally That's nothing it. else That's to talk about. That's prime
2: premiership. Hmm. <laughs> So, no, we can't give him five. He wasn't even the prime minister. That's
0: the thing.
1: I, I think that I'm going to be a bit harsh on this because I think that this isn't, he was a caretaker for two days. This he was, is, he was supposed yeah. to step in and prove that the country didn't desperately need Henry Pelham, and he...
2: He failed. failed. On the one hand, yeah. he hasn't like set the entire country on fire, but on the other hand, no. he was so bad, he literally couldn't even form a government. Yeah. Is he the zero then?
0: Oh, it's difficult, isn't it? It's... I sort of feel that maybe a zero would have to be for like actively terrible things. Yeah, it's
2: not like he's he hasn't like lost a world
0: war or something. No. Lost the colonies. Exactly. Oh god, yeah, I imagine that. Coming up. <laughs> yeah. It's so I, I'm I'm not I'm not gonna give zero, but I think that maybe five would be a little bit more. Generous, kind. yeah. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts before we move on to scores? I mean, there's nothing to think about. So <laughs>
2: No, I've decided how I'm gonna score this. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm gonna give him a point for each day.
0: <laughs> gonna... oh that's brutal
2: <laughs> I'm going to give him two
0: okay so that would mean that Walpole would get about 7,000 points whatever it is
2: <laughs> and that's exactly what would have annoyed this guy yes, that would. Walpole is so much better than him
0: that's so good I'm going to go because I know that Prime Ministers can make terrible mistakes I'm going to go th- two and a half
1: well I was going to go three on the basis that, as the children's pamphlet said, he didn't tell a single lie yes. at the time, but he was an abject failure. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: We know what he was like as well. Like, It's not like we know that he would have been a non-corrupt prime minister. He would <laughs> yeah. definitely have been a corrupt prime minister.
0: <laughs> yeah. Fundamentally, the problem with his premiership is it was literally a joke. Like, all the stuff that people write about it is jokes. The taxi driver, the three minutes <laughs> and 11 seconds. Everything's a joke.
1: I'm also going to give him two. In that case, on the basis that there were two members of the government, him
0: and... Oh, Oh, you've both got good reasons why you gave your scores.
1: Sorry, him and Carteret, not Lord Carteret, he was actually Lord Granville.
0: You're quite right. So that's 6.5 points for Prime and Premiership.
2: That's our worst so far, right? Easily.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Life and Legacy. So oddly for such a complete failure as Prime Minister, his life is, oh my God. is fascinating. So drama. It's so drama. He
2: but can't... like, is his legacy good or bad? Because he was, he was all like anti-corruption, but he was also just like only anti-corruption because it didn't benefit him.
0: That's the thing. I think there's, he might get points for the life bit for being like an interesting character. The legacy is rather less so.
1: He does actually have a bit of an interesting place in the development of the opposition. Because he opposed the government for a really long time. And I know it got really bitter, especially towards the end. But actually, for a really long time, he was the loyal opposition, as close as you can get. In fact, he even...
0: He was the very disloyal opposition at some point. But he
1: still referred to his party as being Patriot wigs that was about saying patriot
2: wigs while he's slagging off the king yes well
1: so that was about them saying we can still be patriotic we can still be we can still be wigs we don't even have to join those those tories over there Mm. you know but we can oppose you and so i think there's something interesting in there about him trying to develop some sort of legitimate opposition he also then completely screwed it up oh yeah
0: potentially but even i think part of the problem was that his opposition was completely personal
2: yeah it was so self-serving it was like walpole screwed me over i'm gonna make my entire life about trying to take him down
0: yeah it was both i'm doing it for me but also my opposition is walpole yeah. it's not Whigism, i'm not in a different party it's not real policy differences it's just this guy you're this one guy who i and it's
2: do you know what if it had been successful that would have been more okay but it's like walpole is such a titan It's just like some guy poking him from a distance. Yeah, exactly. Embarrassing, isn't it?
0: And also, I suppose another legacy point, but this probably isn't his legacy. We've had the idea of the prime minister now, but it really helped develop the idea of the cabinet as a collective entity, because it wasn't just Pelham resigned. They all resigned. Hmm. The whole team resigned because they were all in it together. It wasn't just there's a prime minister who's sort of in charge, but really everyone else is still appointed by the king and they're working for themselves. They are a collective team. And that was really the first time we've ever seen that cabinet teamwork. But again, that's a Pelham thing. Oh, I have,
2: a- I have a point for him as well. Go on. He, I would argue <laughs> that he strengthened the power of the prime minister.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. <laughs> because
2: by being so crap, it <laughs> meant that the king had to be like, OK, Henry Pelham, please come back and you can literally do whatever you want.
0: I completely agree. So yeah. by
2: being so awful and failing so horribly as prime minister, he accidentally inadvertently strengthened yeah. the power of prime
0: minister. <laughs> but again, I'm tempted to not give him points for that because it's not his legacy. It's his failure. It's not it's not that he was trying to do.
1: If you even consider him to be a prime minister, he is therefore the shortest. Yes. Oh he's god, yeah, he's so the biggest yeah. joke. And and I mean, there are some jokes in there. And he's not even a footnote like Wilmington. He's
0: the one that people go, oh, have you heard about this guy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's two days, on the
2: list. two days. I mean, that's his legacy. In it, his legacy is that he's a joke.
0: Yeah, I think that really is the problem. He had a couple of other things. He was slightly involved in the arts. He was an early supporter of the Royal Academy of Music. Oh, God. He supported Actually, John... Yeah, the Royal
1: Academy of Music. That's a good one. He
2: oh, he got, he got the newspaper that Alexander Pope wrote in. Yes. That's kind of cool.
0: And one of the other people who wrote in that newspaper was John Gay, who was an English poet and dramatist, who did some interesting, slightly satirical shows at the time, the town of Pulteney, only spelt differently in Vermont, was named after him. Shout yeah, out but aren't to the there mate.
2: loads of Wilmingtons in America?
0: <laughs> there are more Wilmingtons than Pulteneys, I think, yeah. And <laughs> we didn't even mention that in Wilmington's episode. No, <laughs> I'm grasping at straws. Though obviously a shout out to the people of Pulteney, Vermont, if you're listening. If you are, please <gasps> let us know. Please write in, yeah, that's really fun. Oh, yeah, we should get people to write in if they live in a place that's named after a prime minister.
2: Yes, please tell us what these places are like. Do they have, like, a statue of them?
0: Yeah, send us a picture of Wilmington, Delaware, (laughs) and whatever Robert Walpole has named after him. But yeah, one of the quotes that I found looking him up was, Lord Bath has left no trace of the possession of practical statesmanship, which is just the most damning, damning thing I've ever read. So what are we thinking about those oh, scores? God. I said The one thing I would say is that at least the life was interesting. I think as someone who you come across, I started the research going, he's a two-day prime minister, he's going to be an absolute snooze fest. And actually, you know, swinging back he and forth. He was just chaotic. He was so chaotic, so passionate, angry, bitter, depressed, excited, <laughs> touching on treason occasionally then becoming an earl again. Like, oh, it, it's really fun. He's an interesting yeah, guy. Yeah,
2: it is. It is fun and chaos.
1: I think I'm going to wade in, and yep. I'm going to give him a three.
2: Oh, harsh.
1: I think his legacy is one of failure, of being the measuring stick for better people and for better things. Yeah. I was going to be even harsher on him, actually, but if it weren't for the fact that he did have some outside legacy things like the Royal Academy Music, that you know, he potentially helped with the development of the opposition a little. Yeah, I'm
0: getting three at the moment. Okay, I think I might go four, and I'm definitely going... Above five for life, because I found it interesting, and below five for legacy, and I think it's averaging out at four-ish. It's interesting, but ultimately, his legacy is just failure. He tried so many things and failed again and again and again, every single time, and it's sometimes quite painful to read about.
2: I'm going to go three and a half.
0: Okay. So that's seven points for life and legacy. Oof. Which is also not very good.
1: That is uh, (laughs) actually... Almost exactly the same as Robert Walpole got. <laughs> yeah,
2: fair enough. It's what Lord Bath would have wanted.
0: <laughs> oh, imagine. Sin and sincerity. Now, this is an interesting one because it depends how you look at it. Oh, God,
2: he's not sincere.
0: He's not sincere. He's
2: anti-corruption, but he's only anti-corruption when it doesn't benefit him personally. <laughs>
0: even though he took great pains to get rid of all the employments they did previously He had.
2: took an earldom and then tried not to have that earldom when he realised that <laughs> everyone was like, you've been anti-earldoms for ages. Yeah. He's so slimy.
0: He is quite slimy. And there is one story that I haven't told you yet, which Whoa. I think I will mention now, because he was famously, even scandalously, greedy for money. We've known it all the way through.
2: He had like 12 million pounds or something.
0: You don't get that without wanting more of it. And he wanted more of it. So one of the ways he got more of it is that he basically stole a large part of the estate of the Earls of Bradford. And he did this because one of the Earls of Bradford had an illegitimate son. That was his only child. So the title would go to his brother, because illegitimate children can't have titles. But the Earl tried to give all the money to the illegitimate son. And he did this by giving it to the mistress with whom he had had the illegitimate son. What Pultney did was he thought, excellent, I've got a way to get this money.
2: <gasps> he didn't. Did he
0: so marry what, the mistress? Well, what happened was the son, sadly, was termed as a either imbecile or lunatic or one of those unhelpful oh, and God. not very kind words which suggests some sort of... Mental challenges, so we don't really know what.
1: It's also perfectly possible in those days that this person was completely complimented but just not yeah. powerful enough. To you know. that is also a possibility. Because
2: this happened to a lot of women, they were like declared insane yeah. and then put well, into. Because
1: they, I don't know, suffered pains every month or something. Yes,
2: <laughs> yeah, stuff like that, or they just weren't doing what you wanted them to do. Yeah. That's the plot of um, the Woman in White.
0: Mm. So we don't know, but fundamentally, that is how he was seen at the time. So Pontney thought he's going to engage in a two-step process to try to get the oh money. Oh, God. The first step was that he was very much behind an act in Parliament, an entire law that banned so-called lunatics from marrying. So basically trying to ensure that this illegitimate son didn't have any children. He tried to cut off that bloodline.
1: With a dose of eugenics on the side of it. Yeah. yeah.
0: And then, when both the actual earl and, sadly, this son also died quite young... And so only the mistress was left in charge of the money. He became the mistress's lover and ensured that afterwards the money went to him.
2: So he didn't even marry her, he just...
0: He just shacked up with the woman who had also shacked up with the Earl of Bradford and because of an illegitimate son and an act in Parliament that he had helped pass, he basically took a lot of the Bradford estate that for is himself.
1: so shady. It is so
0: shady. really shady. But
1: it also just, it reeks of... I don't even know what. It's just so horrible. Yeah. Like there's so many levels of horrible things that he it's, did in that process. It's
0: this real calculating, oh, so personal. Gross. Over many years. I mean, this took a long time, this plan to come to oh. fruition. Yeah, it was bad. And as we all know, there was various other money stuff. He was clearly quite an angry, bitter person. He fought a duel, which again, though. Yeah, yeah
2: that's dodgy. And he nearly killed that guy. Well,
0: exactly. Though duels look cool in the films, fundamentally, it's just two people attempting to commit murder against each other. Yeah, So it's I mean, not it's, ideal. it's quite bad.
1: Would it have been a pistol
0: duel? I think swords. Swords? But I, think it could, I think it could have been both, but I think I saw a old lithograph where I think they were holding swords.
2: Well, that's more fun, actually. I like that better. Okay. It's just more drama. It but is also, more drama.
1: It's a lot harder to accidentally kill someone with swords, I think, yeah. than with pistols. Oh, yeah yeah.
2: yeah, yeah.
0: The one thing I have on the other side is that for two years before his death, he served as the treasurer for an infirmary in Shrewsbury.
2: Did he like steal all of the money? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't know. Because, that's true. Come Maybe he did on.
1: that. Had he had some people <laughs> committed to it somehow? <laughs> Who knows? I bet he yeah. was like,
2: "Oh yeah, this really rich single old woman is definitely needs to go in this infirmary and wants me to be in charge of all her money." Yeah. Oh, he is terrible. I'm gonna give him a two.
1: I'm also going for a two. I think he he. He went back on himself so many times. He he was vile to the king, and then later on, when he oh, was yeah. the person, prime yeah. minister, went. Oh, he kissed I'll the
2: king's it. hand. He yeah, was, exactly. Yeah,
0: yeah I, th- I think two sounds pretty fair. Um, he didn't do any actual I don't know mass murder or something. But I mean, he got pretty pretty. Close no, but I mean mass. I
1: mean, apart from be- possibly as a personal serial killer, I suppose. Yeah, because a mass murder would usually come under life and legacy. Whereas this, was yeah. Like <laughs> was just
0: yeah, his own personal him thing. Being, ugh. So yeah, I I think two's pretty fair. So that's four points for sin and sincerity, with the focus on sin. (laughs) Majority. Well, this, I think, is where we might need to have another debate, because, theoretically, he just borrowed henry no, pelham's majority absolutely for two days not. he did not
2: have any majority at all
0: it works the other way around because
1: henry pelham technically had he his kept
2: his, his majority
1: because he led his own sub-faction of the party the patriot Whigs, yeah. and they opposed walpole and actually weren't counted in walpole's largest majority
2: so them. henry pelham kept his majority of 10 which leaves whatever's left over for <laughs> lord bath and what's left over out of minus 10? 10 minus <laughs> 10
0: yeah let's give him zero and frankly, had we given him ten, that would surely have been the record gap between size of majority and success of government. <laughs> and
1: for the record, and he, he did explicitly have a particular subfaction of the party, and they were a minority.
2: Yeah, yeah, I bet they
1: were.
0: So that's zero points. Our first. Oh yeah, our not first... only our first, not ten, our first zero <laughs> <for the> majority. <laughs> I'm going to have to string this out because the bong lasts for about 30 (laughs) seconds and we don't want to cut it. So I'm going to say very, very slowly that he was not in power for one day, but he was in power for two days, which gives zero points for tenure. Not even 0.5. Just zero. Zero. It's so embarrassing. Prestige points. Peerage, having been created an earl in 1742, which he both wanted and then didn't want and then had anyway... He was offered nothing more after his brief premiership, so gets no peerage points.
2: It's what he deserves.
0: It's what he deserves. Progress. Born... (laughs) Correct. Born to an old and successful, but not aristocratic, Leicestershire family. He attended Westminster, then Oxford. No known disability or other disadvantage. No points. Practice. He was, of course, first Lord of the Treasury for two days, but no other great office of state. And he was never a great officer of state either, so half a point. Parlance. Entering Parliament at the first opportunity, he did not take on any of the professions required for a special reference in Parliament. Zero parlance points.
1: Was his father a lord?
0: No. For and finally, polling. There were obviously no <laughs> general elections during his two-day And I don't and think tenure. he would have won. I don't think so either. And he was in the House of Lords anyway by this point. So no polling point. And that gives him a pretty useless half a point out of a possible ten for prestige points. But at least it's something, unlike tenure and majority. So with a dearth of points towards the end of the marking and a bit of a dearth in the middle and also at the beginning as well, how many points do we think Lord Bath has picked up? He's
2: got to be by far our lowest, yeah.
0: Oh, he's got to be by by miles the lowest. Our
2: lowest so far is um, Wilmington, right at like fifty some, uh, forty something. Uh,
1: Wilmington is currently at forty six point two. Okay.
0: 46.2.
1: What I did mean, we
2: give him in the first round? Because that's the biggest round. We gave him like twos and threes. Yeah, because
0: we... that was his prime and premiership, oh which didn't exist. So this is so embarrassing. so embarrassing. Do you think
2: he's going to be in the 20s and
0: 30s? Oh, definitely in the 30s. But yeah. Is, is he in the 20s, something like even low 20s? 18. <gasps> oh, no. That
1: might be the lowest oh. score we have in the entire series. Oh, oh, this is so
2: embarrassing.
1: Yeah. I say might be.
0: We don't know.
1: Oh, who knows? Who knows? We'll we'll find out. 18.
0: But that'll take some beating, won't it? 18. I mean,
1: there are previous prime ministers who beat that on just majority in tenure. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) He didn't score particularly highly, but there is one final category. (laughs) That great (laughs) eternal question. Is he... Right on or right off?
2: So. John has already written no in the spreadsheet (laughs) (laughs) i've just watched him type (laughs)
0: it yeah i mean it's a little it's a little hard to argue that he should get it (laughs) and i'm probably not even gonna try i think the one point he has in his favor
2: he was the shortest prime minister that is so funny
0: the novelty of it It's interesting What I was thinking as I was researching all this is that it reminds me very much of what might be the most traumatic moment in my primary school career. Okay, niche. Which was a sports day when all the children went away with various ribbons that said like first, second, third and all that sort of stuff. Did
2: you get one that said, well done for participating? I
0: had lots of ribbons, all of which said, I'm a good sport. (laughs) And And I remember reading them when I got home thinking, oh, I suck. That's what this means. I tried so many times and I sucked. In every single race I tried.
2: But I would argue that you were a good sport, whereas William Pulteney was actively a bad he sport. was
0: a bad sport. But he just, he failed. He couldn't be He couldn't be, could be Wilpol's friend. He couldn't be Wilpol's enemy. He couldn't pull out of the peerage. He couldn't become Prime Minister because no one told him that the job had already gone. Then he couldn't become Prime Minister when someone asked him. It's just this litany of quite fun and interesting failure but nonetheless and he was failure. like
2: slimy but not in like a not in like it's quite fun when someone's like slimy and scheming and quite successful at yeah. it that's quite fun but he was slimy and su- scheming and also quite rubbish <laughs> <laughs> and
1: it's funny comparing him to wilmington because although we joke about how wilmington did nothing we do agree that he was prime minister for 18 months and everyone just went oh, we'll just get through this it'll be yeah. fine whereas Paul wasn't even able to pull together a cabinet. Oh, so embarrassing.
0: No. I think that the difference between such an incredibly low score and the fact that he's really interesting, and I think we're going to talk about him quite yeah, a lot. Yeah, he's hilarious. I want to give him a ribbon that says, I was a bad sport, or something <laughs> that just sort of like that we just remember them by. We'll, the
2: order of the something. The
0: we we'll call it the the Lord Bath Memorial Prize for for entertaining failure or something like that. Yeah,
2: that's fun. I like that. The,
1: the order of the needs a bath.
0: <laughs> well, I think the nose probably have it, but let's institute and give him the, <laughs> the inaugural the inaugural Lord Bath Memorial Prize
2: <laughs> for being a bad sport. <laughs>
1: Congratulations
2: Lord Bath. Yes,
0: congrats. Sort of, congratulations to Lord Bath. We are still going to keep talking about you, so that's something.
2: I feel like we will.
0: Yeah. Dispatch Box. Welcome to Dispatch Box, this little feature at the end of episodes where we go through some of the messages that we're getting in from all our lovely listeners.
1: So, first up, we have an email from Stuart. Stuart says, Hi folks. Loving what you're doing so far. Really like that you're all approaching the subject with a genuine curiosity and empathy that makes Rex Factor so engaging.
2: I don't have any genuine empathy.
1: (laughs) No, but I'm enjoying being compared to Rex Factor. Oh yeah, I'll I'll take that. I'll take that. (laughs) Enjoyed how you explored Pelham as both a schemer and an honest, committed statesman. Made for a really interesting listen. Ironically, slash fittingly, I listened as I delivered Christmas cards to my local political party.
0: Oh, that's nice.
1: Looking forward to future episodes.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed this one, Stuart. He said, best wishes and Christmas love. Oh, Christmas
1: love to you, Stuart. Most politicians will have to write hundreds of Christmas cards at, at, at Christmas. So I'm sure that they appreciate your help with delivering them, Stuart. That's very generous of you. The thing is, they don't always write who they're to. So there have been instances where people have forwarded, you know <laughs> Christmas cards from the Prime Minister <laughs> to random other people who might enjoy a Christmas card from the Prime Minister and who are obviously flattered. That's so fine. Oh, if
2: you're listening and you have a Christmas card from the Prime Minister, or just any I'll take any famous person. Yeah.
1: From... Just somehow send it to writing on <laughs> at gmail.com.
2: So Gordon Messenger, if you've got a yeah. card from him.
1: <laughs> Try to get him on the pod. <laughs> Thank you very much, Stuart. Yes. And best wishes and Christmas love to you too. Aww. Also on Twitter, Magpie in a Yellow Sky said, Hey, just want to, to shout out at Nobel Pod for recommending at Primetime Cast, which I am thoroughly enjoying so far. Keep up the good work, all of you. oh Which is really lovely. And a wonderful opportunity for us to say thank you to the podcast Nobeless Oblige, who are ranking all of the Nobel laureates from 1901 until they ran out of people, I think. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, they're really lovely and they they very kindly recommended us in their latest, very interesting episode about this year's Nobel Prizes, which is really great if you want to give it a listen. Lots of fun stuff in there about the um, uh, how the vaccine for COVID was developed. Actually. Oh. Yeah. Um, and also we want to thank the podcast So You Think You Can Rule Persia.
2: I do. I do think I can rule
1: Persia. <laughs> I think you should have a, a, a
0: listen to their, to their podcast
1: <laughs> first to find out whether or not you really can up to scratch. If you're,
0: um, you're going to rule Persia, at least listen to a podcast first to see what it's like.
1: <laughs> They very kindly ran our trailer on their podcast, so thank you very much. And we will be running trailers for other podcasts on ours, starting with the next Prime Cuts episode. Indeed. Thank you very much.
0: Excellent. And I think we are also going to do our country shout-out, because the fun little map that we get on our podcasting software tells us that we're getting listens from all around the world. So today, at Pure Random, I've decided to say hola to everyone in Spain. Thank you very much indeed for listening.
2: Hola, muchas gracias.
0: Oh, Kes can do the accent.
2: (gasps) See, but I'll blow up this <gasps> and
0: she can speak the words <laughs> well neither of us can so. <laughs>
2: <You> <laughs> I, I actually just really slagged her up of, I did Spanish in high school really huge apologies to any of our Spanish listeners who had to sit through that Then,
1: or to anybody who had to sit through Spanish in high school with Kes <laughs> <laughs> and that brings us to the end of the write-off Lord Bath
0: write-off but winner of the Lord Bath <laughs> Memorial Prize <laughs> the inaugural winner the inaugural winner
1: Next time, we'll be back with Thomas Pelham Hollis. Wait. The brother of Henry (gasps) Pelham.
0: What? What?
2: Wait, the guy. The Duke. The guy. The the Newcastle Duke.
1: Duke. No. The Duke of Newcastle. Yeah. In fact, we'll probably call him Newcastle for his entire episode. What the
2: hell? So wait, Henry Pelham dies. Henry Pelham died. Yes.
0: yes, the end of his episode. And then his
2: brother takes... Oh. Oh. Did his brother kill him? (laughs)
0: his brother gave him some bad skin
2: oh my god
1: so
0: you should hopefully expect
1: the duke of newcastle thomas pelham hollis
2: cannot believe this
1: to be out in about four weeks from the point where you're listening
2: it's gonna be a really short episode because we already know everything about him
1: you'd be amazed Mm.
2: oh well he
1: had a whole career after his brother died Oh! plus this time you get to hear about what he was doing while his brother was off meeting penguins or something.
2: Oh yeah, true, yeah. Oh, intriguing. Yeah, Yeah, his brother was only sort of middlingly rich. He was disgustingly rich. I Mm. want to hear about his life.
0: He owned Lincolnshire.
1: In the meantime, thanks for listening. Uh,
2: You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at primetime underscore cast or write in at writeonwriteoff at gmail.com or find our website at primetimepod.com.
0: And remember... Never flinch, never weary, never despair, and subscribe to our podcast.
2: And do better
1: than
0: Lord (laughs) Bath. Try to do better than Lord Bath. Unless you're going for the Lord Bath Memorial Prize. That's true now. Prime Ministers have two options, (gasps) don't they? Yes, (gasps)
2: maybe if they're really tanking their careers, it's because they're going. They're like, I'm not going to make right on, but I'm going to go the other end of the scale. Guys, have
0: we changed history?
1: (laughs) I just love that we've just developed our constitutional convention has just been changed from right on or right off to right on, right off or Lord Bath Memorial. (laughs) (laughs) It's Excellent. probably going to end up being even more prestigious than the right arm. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's going to be
0: rarer.
2: It's going to be more fun.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, that was good. I enjoyed it a lot.
2: That was really fun. I enjoyed it too.